Welcome back to The Lounge. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome British-Asian singer-songwriter Saffron, who has achieved over 17 million streams. She's just released her debut EP, Identity Crisis, and her song, Nice Try, has been released on 18th of August. Welcome to the show, Saffron. Hello. Thank you for having me. Really excited to be here. Well, thank you. And I really wanted to chat with you because not only are you really succeeding and flourishing in the music industry, which is so hard, but you really care about well-being and this is what we're all about. And I know this underpins your song, Nice Try. Can you tell me a little bit about that, please? Yes. So um, Nice Try was kind of born out of um, two years of trauma therapy. (laughs) I'll be really honest with you. Um, Yeah, I suffered. I like I experienced racism growing up. Um, obviously being a person of colour in the UK, you kind of get it from, you know, even from school times. Um, but for me, it really came to a head um, over lockdown. I was working um, there at a, a company that I, you know, I was really um, privy to a lot of people that were struggling with racism, that were going through racism. So there was like a kind of the secondary trauma aspect of you know, being the only person of colour on the team, speaking up, being the only person that's speaking up. Um, And so for me, it was kind of, I think as well, I think lockdown really exasperated it because it kind of, it made everyone really get into their heads. And then obviously the stuff with Black Lives Matter and the George Floyd incident happened. And I think it really brought the conversation to the forefront. And it was at that point, there wasn't any really running or hiding from it anymore, you know. And I think I really started to educate myself with regards to like reading about other people's experiences um I read every book that I could find about it everything from while I no longer talk to white people about race to Akala's empires and just really started to deconstruct my own ideology around it and what I found was that I was a deeply traumatized person that was doing their best to kind of muddle through and just keep sucking it up and then I think I got to the point where I couldn't do that anymore um and it was kind of it was through going to therapy and my therapist actually saying, look, I think music can be a great avenue for you to begin to talk about your experiences in a way that doesn't feel like you're having confrontational conversations with people. You know, you kind of get to hear your own voice. And I think one of the things that I'd really unpacked during that time was that through that ideology through you know enmeshed colonialism and these ideologies that are so enmeshed into our society through that time I had learned to silence myself so it wasn't even that I needed to be silenced anymore I was doing it to myself and it's through deconstructing that that I realized I didn't really understand or know the sound of my own voice in that in in that what did it, what do I think what are what are my feelings how do I feel because yeah. I was so used to managing spaces and making room for everyone else's feelings and emotions that I never thought that I should hold space for my own and it was actually through writing music and almost tapping into what we call in therapeutic terms the shadow self the part of you that you hide because you think it's not palatable to the rest of the world it doesn't you know the part of you that you hide because it doesn't play into the notions of being the good girl mm. yeah. <laughs> those yeah. parts of you that are so important those angry parts of you that because you know I have really learned now that anger is a signpost yeah. to an unmet need and if we're constantly going without our needs met guess what constantly happening we're constantly getting angry and then suppressing it and then it becomes this vicious cycle which 
for me personally and ended up in me internalizing a lot of anger and ultimately directing that in a way of a form of self-hatred you know not liking myself not feeling like I was worthy um and it was actually through writing songs like Knife Try through exploring like what would I sound like if I just said it has as it was if I allowed that little sass queen to come out and yeah. you know say her piece in you know as confrontational way as I could to music yes <laughs> that's done that what would it look like and it's so interesting because actually in doing so I realize that my voice has value I realize that actually there's things that need to be said because they need to be said and actually it's not my um, responsibility to manage other people's emotions but actually it's my responsibility to speak my truth and see where it lands not in a harmful way, but in no, a but... my opinion matters way. In a, in a, I have just as much right to say what I think as the next person, and it was a completely liberating experience. You know, being able to tap into that part of me, and also in doing so, I really started to deconstruct this notion of being the good girl. That actually, you know, um, we have, and we see it through media, we see it through films. Yeah, you know, good versus evil. You know, the good and the bad, and and that they're almost like these very linear ideologies or it's the one or the other. But what I've come to understand about humans is that we are very complex beings and we very much have the ability to be all of those things. We have the ability to be good and bad and, and a mixture of all these things because actually it's that complexity that makes us fundamentally human. Yeah. You know, so I guess that where did Nice Try come from? It kind of came from that. <laughs> no, that that is just beautiful to listen to and there's so many things to to unpack there um just in terms of finding a way to find your voice I think that's so important a lot of people do find that through song because they also find that people listen to them but for me when you're speaking about speaking your truth in as least a confrontational way as possible through music I think the experiences you sing about resonate with people because of that authenticity I know looking at the lyrics um there's a lot of what you say that resonates as a first generation second generation um experience growing up in a culture that isn't quite your own but it it has to be your own and whilst you were talking the whole idea of that linear well this is this is right to do and this is wrong to do it is much more complex than that and and I think that's really important and so with that duality of heritage as well, how has that kind of fed into, I guess, finding your voice and the work that you you produce, the songs that you produce? Um, very much so. I think, you know, I think part of the reason why this style of music, it's such a merging of different genres is because I think for the first time, I embrace the fact that I am a merging of different genres. <laughs> In in my lived experiences, you know, I'm I'm a second, you know, I'm um uh, a child of first generation immigrants, so second generation. Um, you know, my parents grew up in Sri Lanka. They immigrated to the UK to try and find a better life. Yeah, because they were sold this notion that the motherland, <laughs> you know, yeah. that that the UK is the motherland and that. Yeah. It's, with golden you know yeah yeah, yeah. No, uh, Malaysia so similar sort yeah. of thing where you you even had a British passport because of the yeah. colonialization so right. 
exactly and so you know I grew up with parents whose culture I would say was very much Sri Lankan culture but yet I was born and raised in the UK so very much born into British culture you know and I was born born in London so very much like city (laughs) city culture which is a whole other ball game and you know I think part of that was me trying to navigate and find meaning um one thing I found really difficult was growing up the growing up in the UK I think I was always very aware that I was perceived as a foreigner because of the color of my skin you know um and I was aware from a very young age I remember being in school and kids making comments about my skin color you know as young as I as, as age like I remember like maybe six or seven definitely like primary school you know and and I think part of that was that the awareness wasn't there. So they weren't teaching about racism in school back when I was in school, you know. And and I think that awareness of feeling very much like the other. So I knew I was different from a young age. I remember also going back on holiday to Sri Lanka to see my parents' families and, you know, our families. And this kind of running joke of us being the Westerners, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and so you go back to the quote unquote motherland and you're a foreigner you grow up you grow you grow up in the country that you consider your motherland yeah. and you're a foreigner and there's this constant feeling of otherness and I remember so much of my life spending time and energy trying to find a place of belonging mm. whether that was joining every sports group in at school and trying to be part of a team there or whether it was trying to you know join the drama group or you know always trying to find this place of belonging because I think there was always this gnawing feeling that I didn't belong that need to fit in that need to find belonging was such a driving force in the way that I formed relationships in the way that I saw myself Mm. and it wasn't really until everything came to a head and I started to go into I went into racial trauma therapy specifically I had an incredible therapist who was so patient with me who allowed me to to lose my temper at her and (laughs) and not get offended and space for that and and it was the first time that someone held space for the entirety of my emotions so like I would always have loads of friends if I was the one that was always helping everyone else going above and beyond for my friends being the giver in the relationship I could master friendships being playing that role the problem is that I could count on one hand the number of friends that would do that back you know and it wasn't until I started trauma therapy that I realized how much this gaping wound was and this need to to find purpose had actually evolved into me being the perpetual server in all of my relationships and the yes. perpetual in all of my relationships. This this is it's when you talk about finding that place of belonging, that is often what people will do. We please. We just learn to to be a pleaser. And I think your point there about somebody else being able to hold a space for you is hugely empowering as well, because you begin to think, I'm worthy of that yeah. space. That's that's just beautiful. I mean, singing in, in itself is a wonderful form of expression. It's really great for our well-being in that way because it allows us to have that voice. And when people listen, you connect with a lyric, you feel less alone. I, I mean, what are the mental health benefits that you've experienced through singing, not just the voice, but all of the other other benefits as well? Oh, definitely. I mean, so much. I think, I think there's just a certain buzz that you get when you're singing. You know, I think there's been so much research done into the health benefits of singing as well you know so from a like well-being perspective it's just been really good for my mental health because it's given me an outlet to find my voice it's given me an outlet to express be creative as well I think 
when you're wired to be a creative it can be really difficult to switch that part of you off yeah um, there was this, there's this phrase actually a jack of all trades is a master of none and it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I heard the full phrase that's not the full phrase the full phrase is a jack of all trades is a master of none but oftentimes better than a master of one and it was just like this this dawning of me of like oh I don't have to do one thing you know culturally growing up in an Asian family it was my my uh my options I remember growing up were a doctor lawyer or engineer so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I had teacher <laughs> you know um and I actually did go to law school for a year I hated it I was so miserable um and I dropped out of, of law school and actually ended up going back to university to do English film and TV studies because I realized actually I'm just a creative through and through and then I left university went to went to America and spent three years working in LA on film mm-hmm. projects out there and doing various different things um came back to meet my now husband <laughs> mm-hmm. who's a music producer he produces all of my music actually he's been such a big advocate for like supporting my musical journey um and then kind of ended up going back into music after years and years of not doing it um and um Actually, I actually was doing music in 2014 um, and released an EP back in 2014, right. which was like a country EP. Um, and then found out six months later after I'd done that, that I was pregnant with my daughter. Oh, <laughs> So I actually put music kind of got put on pause a little bit for the last nine years. Um, so <laughs> it's kind of it's been like a full circle moment, really coming back to it. Also trained to be a therapist in that time as well. So... <laughs> I mean, this is where I think exactly your point, Jack of all trades is is a wonderful thing because it doesn't pigeonhole you in in any one area. And we stop thinking I must only do that one particular thing or every skill is transferable and we can find so much pleasure in all of those. And I mean, just listening to you, you've moved around so much and then you've made a massive step to move from London to Northampton. And that's the place that helped you you grow. I mean, we always think, oh, I must be in London to be in the film industry or the music industry. And clearly you're hugely successful being in Northampton. Absolutely. To be honest with you, the, the you mentioned earlier on in the intro, thanks for a great intro, by the way, uh, the 17 million streams, that actually came um, after we moved to Northampton. So we moved to Northampton in 2013. Yeah. Um, so I've been here for 10 years now. I consider myself... And Northampton now, and Northampton now. <laughs> um, and a third of my life's been lived here, so it makes sense. True. Um, but yeah, it kind of came out of you know we were living in London, struggled to find any work, was living paycheck to paycheck. All of our all of our salary was pretty much going on rent because the rental prices there were ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and um, my husband's family had actually retired to the, his parents had retired to Northampton, and. Uh-huh. We loved it. They've got this cute little cottage, <laughs> thatched roof. It's it quintessentially British, you know. Oh, yeah, it's great. Um, and they actually said to us, "Why don't you come to Northampton? It will be like a time to kind of just recoup. You can save some money and then kind of figure out next steps." Because we literally got to the point where we were priced out of London and we just like we, you know, we're wondering like we can't, we couldn't save a penny, so buying a house wasn't even an option. No, God. so we thought, okay, well let let's go to Northampton for a little bit. We you know with the intention of maybe we'll stay here a year and then yeah. you know on off again and, go back to um, and then we came and never left <laughs> you know and um it was it was actually a really pivotal move and I remember driving up here in 
all of our stuff in the back of a van that we'd hired driving up here and as you're driving into Northampton there's there were these signs and there was this one sign it said welcome to Northamptonshire and it said the place to grow and it really resonated with me and it's always stuck with me and I know it's it's kind of the story that I share because little did I know at the time 10 years ago what lay ahead and I think there was something about moving out of the city having more space not spending all my time traveling because I didn't realize how much time I lost just trying to travel from one place to another in London I, did, I could spend two hours a day traveling yep three hours a day you know whereas when I moved to Northampton all of our like work spaces were like within a 10-15 minute drive <laughs> so it completely changed you get time back <laughs> you get time back there was there was space there was something about being around a lot of green I found really healing as well you know green's a very balancing color anyway if you look into color therapy oh yeah um, no. so there was something about that there was something about being outdoors and just breathing in the fresh air going for walks in in the numerous country parks you know across Northamptonshire yeah um and the and and everything kind of just slowing pace it's almost like it gave us time it gave us space to breathe and to like reconsider and and it was so funny because we actually kind of gave up music for a little bit and went and kind of got day jobs in the local area. I think my husband worked um, at Travis Perkins for a little bit and, <laughs> and I worked at the county council. Um, and we kind of just went and got the reg- kind of regular nine to five jobs. Yeah. But in doing so, it unlocked something because we didn't have to make our art make money anymore. Yeah. And so from a creative perspective, it took the burden off the need for art to be successful and art to be palatable to its audience. And it create, it gave us our voice back in that we now were able to create art for the sake of creating art as an expression. And it's something about when you use it to express authenticity, that's when I think people really connect with it anyway. Yes, I so, agree. Yeah, so in giving ourselves that space, we started to land one song and then another song and then another DJ from you know Europe contacted us and says can you write a stop line for this and and it started to grow from there to the point now three years you know three years four years later we've got you know over between us over 40 million streams to our names wow you know that's phenomenal yeah and it and it just and it came from kind of taking a little bit of a sidestep because I think you are in certain industries told that you need to be in the big cities yeah but I think because of the globalization of the world like everything can be done online now you know you can work Um, anywhere you can work anywhere and I think it's just about finding your your pocket of peace and Northampton happened to be that pocket of peace for us (laughs) and I think this relates to something a previous guest has said she she runs the Northamptonshire Film Festival and the mantra all of the people get told who enter this festival, you must be in London, you have to be in London. But what you're saying is actually being able to create and create for the sake of expression and authentic art or art that's authentic to you can actually be so much more powerful than almost the need to, I must fulfill this particular structure in the content or I must hit that particular um, structure of film or, or music. And and that's that space is so freeing, isn't it? What would you say to somebody who, who says, I have to be in London, I have to be in the big city in order to make it? You know, I'd, I'd say if that's what you feel, then try it and see how it fits. But if it ends up making you more miserable than happy, then you have to question whether it's worthwhile. You know, one thing that I've learned over the years, 
um, something I'm now really protective of is my peace. Because if my peace goes, then my creativity goes, my ability to think logically in big picture goes, I become very insular. It actually, I find like when my peace goes, I get completely demotivated. And when you're demotivated, nothing happens. <laughs> like you, you just want to sleep and do nothing, <laughs> like you know, or just watch binge watch all of Netflix. Um, <laughs> you know, which which sometimes maybe what people need to reset. I will, <laughs> but no, absolutely. I agree. I agree. You get into this yeah, funk, absolutely. don't you? <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely. And I, and I'm saying that from a lived experience. It's not a judgment. Like I've had periods of time in my life where I felt so debilitated from life so depressed so low within you know within my own self-worth that all I could do was sit in bed and watch Netflix or you know whatever your streaming platform of choices you know um because that's all I could do that's all I had energy for Mm. because you know one thing I wasn't doing was taking responsibility for my own own peace Mm. and and it and it's it's a hard world to navigate because you know sometimes things are stacked against you and it's not a fair world but just because it's not a fair world doesn't mean that there isn't a route through it. And it's hard because you, you're trying to strike that balance between radical self-compassion and allowing space for all those emotions, but also not getting stuck there. Yes. And being the perpetual victim, you know, yes. and I'm not, and this isn't to victim shame at all. I, I completely understand that there are, you know, um, there are scenarios where there, you know, there are real victims and there are all perpetrators, but I'm talking about when we're doing this to ourselves. Yeah. You know, when we're getting stuck in a loop because of the choices that we're making. Um, and some of that is because we're traumatised and it's about getting the support that we need because sometimes we can't do it alone. I couldn't have gone on that journey alone, mm. you know, and I think it's about, and it, and it is hard because you're, you're trying to strike that balance, you mm. know, and everyone's balance is at a different scale, you know. Mm. So it's about well, finding what is yours, um, yeah. knowing when to ask for help and knowing that there's no shame in asking for help um and there's no shame in being broken and there's no shame in being traumatized you know I think it happens to the best of us it happens to all of us and I think it's about recognizing that it's okay to to feel that way and and also offering a glimmer of hope that there is a way out it's not always easy it's not always pretty no but there is (laughs) yeah there is. And and that really relates to what I always say a lot when it comes to reaching out for professional intervention. It's not you're reaching out for someone to tell you what to do. It's just if you're going into battle with some pretty awful demons, it's good to have someone else on your side who may be trained in different things that you're trained in. And therefore, you work together to battle whatever that demon. It's not it's not a form of judgment. It's not a form of, oh, why haven't you done this, that and the other? And, and I think yeah. that that's something that's so important about reaching for help um now nice try also covers expectations and expectations are I think something that like you say we keep ourselves trapped by sometimes and that can be really damaging so where do you as well as protecting your pocket of peace where do you find the strength to shine through and be authentic especially when it gets difficult at times um I think Sometimes you just have to fake it till you make it. <laughs> you know, in yeah. all honesty, let's be honest. Like, no, there I... are some days where you know you have to convince yourself to like get up and and crack on and shine bright because it's not always easy. And I think something I've really learned on on this journey is that sometimes 
my feelings and my desires don't necessarily always align. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I might not feel like going for a walk and getting out of the house, but I know the moment that I do it, it's going to be better for me long term. And that's something I've really had to unlearn is I think I grew up very much part of the microwave generation where we want quick fixes and we want it now. And I want to feel better now, <laughs> like yep. you know, and there's this real discomfort and there has been this real discomfort for so long sitting with heavier negative emotions and I've used so many different coping strategies over the year over the years whether it was sugar whether it was binge eating whether yeah. it just you know binge watching things whether it was alcohol you name it like you know everyone's vices are different and I think for me the journey has been like actually it's not about avoiding some of those heavier feelings but it's about sitting with them and meeting them with curiosity I think that's where my perspective has changed the most is rather than avoid them, rather than project them onto someone else, rather than try and find blame is meet whatever I'm feeling like in that moment with curiosity yeah, and meet it with kindness. Because every time I've done that, I've ended up being able to find the answers to my own problems and not feel like I need to blame the world for the reason why I feel a certain way. Sometimes you've got to blame the world, right? Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes we have to. No, you're you're so right, though, about curiosity, because it's so difficult to change a vibe from feeling down to just, oh, just be happy. It's not going to happen. But I always find, I agree with you, curiosity in the middle there is a really nice sort of almost a balance, because curiosity can be, why do I feel like this, or being curious about yourself? Or it can even be, but what if it isn't as bad as I think it's going to be? And you just ask those questions and it's so powerful for shifting that that space. This is, I mean, I could talk with you all day. You, you're just, just so fascinating to listen to. Uh, but we do have to, we do have to come to an end here, but please come on the show again. Sure. <laughs> and, <Okay. laughs> and if we want to download your song, what are your links? How do we find you? Okay, so I am on um, all of the socials at Saffron Music. Um, you can find all of my music on all the major streaming platforms under Saffron. Um, my EP is not out yet. It's going to be out in November. But I do have another song coming out um, called Consent, which is coming out at the end of this month, which talks about consent. <laughs> so, yeah, um, That's what it says on the tin. Um, so, yeah, so keep, keep your eyes peeled for that. That will be out um, at the end of this month. Amazing. Thank you so much, Saffron. It's just been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the invite. And that's all we have time for. But if you'd like to find out more, do go to my website, which is www.draudreyt.com and check out my articles, which give you practical tools to live your best life. Or you can go to my YouTube channel, which is Dr. Audrey Tang, Tools to Thrive.